Welcome back to another episode of Below the Dot Podcast, where we recap and discuss a new episode of Degrassi The Next Generation every Throwback Thursday from the Degrassi Black Hole. I am your co-host, Terry McGregor. I'm your other host, Chris Sharp. And today we are recapping season four, episode nine, titled Back in Black. Um, We didn't discuss this, but I'm going to insert said trigger warning um before we get into the trivia for terry <laughs> i was ready for it yeah i mean i, I just have trigger warning um there's just a lot, a lot of school violence and um their emotions tied to what happened i mean it's the aftermath so mm-hmm. you can ex- anticipate that it's not like we're moving on to another bubblegum storyline no nah, there was an entire shooting and so as a result we would like you guys to be aware so you can take care and tune out after our tidbits if this is a lot for you. Yes, absolutely. Um, so, yeah. I do want to do a disclaimer. Um, we are recording on a new platform. If it ends up going well, we will probably <laughs> shit talk our previous platform that we used to record on. Um, but so hopefully things go well. This is like our test run. So let's go ahead. And I have two trivia questions this week. Cool. How long did it take for Sean and crew to get to Wasega Beach? Mm, three hours. Two hours. Mm. What is the name of the kid who Sean deafened in one ear? Tyler? Tyler Bishop. And that's all I got. Simple. One of 50%. two. Not terrible. Yeah. Um, I don't have too many tidbits this week. I just wanted to circle back to our last episode. Um, if you were able to listen to our last episode or at least get through the trivia with us, you know that we had quite the giggle over the fact that Chris thought Nick Cannon was in the episode. Um, he wasn't, but <laughs> there were a lot of people that thought that he looked like him. And again, so to be many. fair, it was Nick Cannon circa like Love Don't Cost a Thing. But that made me do a little bit of a deep dive because it made sense for Chris to think Nick Cannon was in it because Nick Cannon had like a special segment on Teen Nick where Degrassi aired in the US. Um, And apparently he did like a countdown for music videos. Like he was running Teen Nick. And I kind of remember him like playing off of the fact that it was Teen Nick and then Teen Nick after him. So he definitely had some promo in there with probably introduced a couple of Degrassi episodes. So it was plausible. It very much so could have been Nick Cannon because he was you. all over Teen Nick uh, in the early 2000s. <laughs> I had a friend text me like, and they just said it wasn't Nick Cannon. And so, cause I had texted my friends a picture in the group chat and I think they were, it was kind of a mixed response. And I was just like, okay, well, you'll find out when you listen to the podcast. And she texted me when she was listening. I'm sorry, that wasn't him. No, sis. No, it was not. To everyone's surprise, honestly, because (laughs) we were really convinced over here. Exactly. Yeah. So if you got nothing else from last week's episode, if you weren't able to listen, hopefully you got a good laugh out of the fact that it wasn't Nick Cannon and that we posted those side by sides up on our Instagram right now. So go take a peek, uh, like and comment if you think that that looked like Nick Cannon. But again, plausible because Teen Nick, Nick Cannon was a thing back in the early 2000s for the U.S. Degrassi fans. So very fitting. Yes. Um, Are we ready for a recap or was that it? Yeah, that's it. We can dive into the episode. (laughs) 
All right, let's get into it. So we have an A plot and a B plot. I'm trying to figure out if they are merged in this episode. They are not. And so we're going to start with our B plot and then get to the nice meaty plot after. Degrassi is back open the Monday after the shooting. Can you imagine that they're still talking about it? Sean was also a little surprised. The news crew is back at the school, curious to learn more about Sean, Degrassi's hero. There's a recovery circle of some sort for the students and grades to on all the grades to process their feelings as they pertain towards what happened. Evidently, students are not separated by grade level because Toby's in a classroom with Craig. They were throwing everyone together. It feels like the people that were having discussions were random. Yeah. Mr. Simpson seems to know what's up, though, because he says point blank. Labeling Rick as a monster is not going to stop this from happening again. Tozy seizes this opportunity to share that Rick had been bullied very badly, but Craig says that doesn't make him like that doesn't make him a victim. Question for you. Do you feel like highlighting that Rick was bullied tries to paint him as a victim? Um I think it can because what they're trying to at least for Degrassi right and with the fact that they avoided so many of the quote-unquote warning signs I feel like that's the angle they're gonna try and play it because they didn't do their job right so it's literally Mm -hmm. like well for this story to make sense we're just gonna make sure that we highlight the fact that he was bullied though when he was being bullied and he told you you didn't do anything about it not a damn thing so that's the the narrative I'm sure they're gonna run with because it looks really bad on Degrassi yeah I think I called him in the last episode, like, a villainous victim. So, mm-hmm. I mean, he was a victim of bullying, but I don't think he is a victim in the shooting. No. Maybe. I don't know. It's really, it's just, it's very gray. Um, Everything is in black or white. But, mm-hmm. I mean, we all know that every time something tragic happens, people always mention the ways in which hindsight was twenty twenty and how they mm-hmm. suffered. The survivors end up pointing their fingers at each, at each other, which we're going to see throughout this entire season. Um, and I don't think it's fair, but it's a very common and repetitive response. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I also, I do want to note that I don't think it would have helped stop Rick from hurting anyone mm-hmm. had he not been bullied. Because I believe that Rick was abusive. So even though he may not have done a shooting, I think he would have just had another had another girlfriend and hurt that girlfriend based off of how he treated Emma and like how mm-hmm. he was delusional and how he I thought you loved me and like holding on to her hand. I don't think Rick was ready to be in a romantic relationship. He obviously wasn't ready to be back at Degrassi. No. And so though he may not have I mean, brought a gun to school and shot anyone. I think had they left him alone, he probably would have hurt somebody else. But that is just my opinion. That's a really good point. Because even if he didn't end up hopping into a relationship, Emma and him were in a relationship and he had all those assumptions about their friendship. So I could I could even like go down the rabbit hole of seeing him just hurting a random person because he exactly. had these assumptions about them and their relationship. So I think it really was a ticking time bomb regardless of what happened. Um, and a lot of, again, a lot of stuff with Rick went untreated because he came back to school. No one really mediated anything. And it was just like, here, go fend for yourself in a school full of children who are all very childish and petty. Agreed. All right. So Toby tries to remind everyone to consider how Rick had been feeling, which is valid, but too soon. Like, Mm -hmm. mm, read the room. Jimmy's in the hospital. Now is not the time. 
even the fact that they're back at school this is the weekend after it the week after i think okay because even then though and then my other thought with all this too is just like they didn't do anything to protect the kids going into the school from the reporters like no one did anything to like shield them from it they were just like yep here you go ask the kids questions i gotta know if it's like that right Mm, gotta look into this probably is Mm -hmm. i mean reporters are fucking ruthless so because it's like things tragic things will happen and somebody's trying to get the picture and y'all just gotta stop anyway and get the first story yeah exactly no morals but yeah so toby alludes to the fact that nobody listened to rick and everybody who has been watching we know it's true because terry just said it Spinner's off to the side looking real guilty and side note actually i already told you this was coming we've reached a point in jt's life where i'm just done with him Mm -hmm. hey jt is playing basketball with danny he's wearing a sweater vest over a button-up shirt which is just confusing attire to me but whatever and then toby greets both of them they ice him out they don't care that he recently got a recent video or he recently got a video game i truly said recently got a recent video game he (laughs) recently got a new video game and they reject his invitation to play while looking at him in disgust Apparently, JT and Danny now blame Toby because he knew what Rick was like and he didn't stop him. Toby stops by Jimmy's locker to view the shrine that people left in his honor. I wonder, I wondered um, if Jimmy actually got anything like out of that. It's pretty irrelevant, but I just wondered. And Manny shows up and comments about how she didn't realize that Jimmy had so many friends. Toby kind of laments about how people who didn't even know Jimmy are worried about him, but his own friends won't speak to him. Manny extends a little gesture of comfort. She puts her hand on Toby's shoulder and he opens up that he's not sure he'll be able to face Rick's mom at the visitation. Question. I have so many. (laughs) If you were Toby, would you go to Rick's visitation? Oh my God, that is so hard. (sighs) I don't know. I have my answer. To hell I would. Absolutely not. Next question. Like, no. That's fair. I'm sorry. I, and you know what? I think kind of like what we said last week. What did I say? I wouldn't. No, I texted you. We'll talk about it when we get to that episode. Mm -hmm. But I wouldn't have the balls to affiliate with it. I'm sorry. I, I, I'm weird enough as it is. Mm -hmm. I do enough to make myself socially isolated. I'm not about to go to this man's funeral or visitation, too. Y'all got enough reasons not to like me. You know what's interesting too? That's it's interesting on Degrassi's part because that's not anything we ever hear about. You know what I mean? Like you never hear anyone talk about the funeral for someone that did something like that. So for them to put it in this episode and shine light on the fact that he had a friend who still goes to that school and witnessed him pass away is such an interesting concept. Yeah. Like regardless of what you felt about rick he had a mother but Mm -hmm. i also think that a lot of the times when somebody does school violence the first person they look at is their parents and they blame them for it and it's like they literally lost a son yeah now yes the gun should be locked up you should Mm -hmm. maybe not like i hear it absolutely but if a child had taken a gun and shot themselves at home due to some gun issues you would still recognize that that parent lost a child, even mm-hmm. if it's stupid to have your guns accessible to them. So it's like at the end of the day, she still lost her son, even if he did yeah. trash. Yeah, but Toby ain't got no friends, girl. So I know why he went. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like literally, he couldn't but get it, anyone to back him. 
but it wouldn't have been me. Nope. I'm so sorry for your loss. I'm going to send some flowers. Good day, ma'am. That's fair. Manny finds JT and Danny after school to call him on being a horrible friend to Toby. And she reminds JT that Toby has always been supportive of to him in spite of JT declaring Toby as his ex-best friend today. Manny tells JT that Toby ended up being friends with Rick because Toby ditched or because JT ditched him for Danny. And JT says Manny has some nerve talking about ditching people, which I don't even know what he's talking about because he <laughs> he deserved to be broken up with. Absolutely. It's like, is that is that between that? Is that about their relationship or is that about her ditching Emma? Right. Um, yeah. Because I'm just very confused. But anyway. Now I remember why we broke up. You just can't be the bigger man. Manny ends up accompanying Toby to Rick's funeral. And as I always say, say what you want about our girl Manny Santos and relationships. But she is a an amazing, loyally friend. Yeah, she Amazingly is. loyal. Amazing loyally. <laughs> They try to slip out because they can't, but they can't before Rick's mom sees them. And I'm sure y'all probably want me to praise JT because he does end up showing up. But this is a bare minimum and I don't care. But JT does show up and he plays nice with Rick's mother. He doesn't exactly apologize to Toby, but he acknowledges that the shooting should not have happened regardless of what he thought about Rick. So there's the end of that storyline. Fuck you, James Tiberius York. (laughs) Yeah, I have to say this episode made me jump on the JT hate train for sure. Um, Because I think you mentioned this last week, too, when you were reading this, uh, like the synopsis of this next episode. It's just like JT and Danny learned absolutely nothing. There was literally just a shooting over someone being bullied and you decide to isolate someone. Um, That's not cool. And then JT is also, again, being a terrible friend. What was Toby supposed to do about Rick? They were both being bullied. And then I have to say, I love Manny, of course, because she read him. Like she read JT to filth. And she also probably knew that if she read JT, he was going to act on it. Because nothing would hurt a man's ego more than a woman telling you that you're trash and that you have a little penis. Because that's pretty much what she did. She did. And it was beautiful. (laughs) And I appreciated that. And it worked. God, I was going to say something about him. Oh, and a couple episodes. We're actually going to see again that this is not that... JT ditching Toby for Danny is not the last time that he's going to ditch a friend for somebody else. And mm-hmm. he actually originally ditched Toby for Paige because he had a crush yeah. on Paige. He's going to ditch somebody else for another person, love interest. And we're going to see it. I'm like, mm, character flaw. Anyway, plot A. Crash. Meanwhile, in the auditorium or somewhere, who knows, Marco is speaking about his feelings with a mask over his face. This whole episode is intended to be a serious reflection. And I hate to say that I am really with Sean on this one. I would have been uncomfortable. It is cheesy. I don't know. I mean, I was Mm -hmm. uncomfortable watching it because we hear, we see Marco in like this weird paper mache mask and he's divulging his feelings. I am Sean Cameron. I want some chocolate milk and I need the stupidity to be over. So they're asked to say, like, I am, I want, and I and I need. So Marco's, like, he says some super heartfelt, I am, and I, I know. I get it. I hear it. But I'm with Sean. It's just, like, you can't force me to open up around these people. I don't know these bitches. He's clearly not very good at divulging his feelings. He's in an entirely group setting, in a place where he's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I'm... 
And you you can't, no matter how many times you tell these kids, y'all better keep your mouth shut, they're not keeping their mouth shut. No. So, anyway, that's where Sean's at. Ellie looks concerned because she believes that Sean isn't processing a feeling in the same way as everyone else. Ellie is right, but we also need to do more of accepting that people grieve and cope in different ways. So, this is where Sean is right now, and that's okay. Like, He's, he doesn't have to cry right in the moment. Mm-hmm. Maybe he will when he's ready. And so wait for that. Sean is not reading the room, though, because Paige is in the same circle crying with Hazel. But to be fair, he did try to keep his mouth shut. He said pass. Mm-hmm. They- yeah. You know what I also noticed, too, is, like, we know Sean's character. And Sean already already has been through a lot due to his upbringing so it's apparent that he never faced his trauma before or worked through it like he didn't sit at home and do this with the people that raised him you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. he has a lot of unresolved trauma so i can assume that when things happen to him he just continues to push forward which is what he's trying to do now and he's Mm -hmm. like do not put me in this circle because this is unfortunately not the first tragedy i've been through which sucks Mm -hmm. but that's literally what it is like everyone's not on the same page when it comes to grieving and sean again We'll get to it later because he'll describe what happens. But, like, he was in it. And you have to assume that someone that, like, saw it would take a while, a longer time to process anyway. Right. And I, I, it's, like, I realize that Emma is basically the opposite of him. But that's Emma. Mm-hmm. Everybody right. grieves and processes differently. And that is okay. So I'm actually looking at Miss Sauvé. She's the one who pressed on Sean to speak. She should have mm-hmm. met with him separately after to protect both Sean and the members in the group. If he said pass, respect that. Yeah. If you want to hear from him, check in with him after. But forcing him to share in the group or encouraging him to share in the group when he is, when he said pass, like not respecting that. And I'm not like super mad at Masove. I'm like, it's a school shooting. We all make mistakes, whatever. Yeah. But as a, watching it from a critical eye, she should have allowed him to pass. But anyway. Mm-hmm. I'm, anyway, I'm also going to say that I'm not upset with Sean because even though he wasn't reading the room, we know what type of situation he is. He's the one who res- wrestled Rick and saved others from harm. So give him the time to work. Mm-hmm. Also, hadn't really considered that Rick was Miss Sauvé's student. And therefore, like, who's who's taking care of Miss Sauvé? Who's checking on her? Right. Because imagine if she might feel some guilt, too. I mean, we don't ever get to figure out what she's feeling. But she could easily feel some guilt because she literally dealt with him firsthand. Right, and if we're imagining how um, Mr. Simpson felt guilty and responsible, imagine mm-hmm. how she felt if she was his counselor. But yeah, Oof. Sean leaves the group to find Mr. Simpson, and I'm not really sure if like he's in class or if he sought Mr. Simpson out. But Mr. Simpson tries to get Sean to open up when Emma's whiny ass barges in, crying poorly, mind you, about how everybody's staring at her. Did narrowly missing a bullet lead her friends to take her back yet? We have no idea. And uh, I think maybe. Do you? Because th- I feel like they just randomly end up friends after this again. And it's like, okay. So yeah. Guys, it's, and I do want to say it's an interesting. You look at Toby, JT, and Danny. And the shooting caused them to ice Toby out. Mm-hmm. But versus Liberty, Manny, and Emma. And Liberty was like, girl, you're dead to me. But now it's kind of like a life is short. Okay, I guess we're cool again. Completely opposite response. 
opposite. I was literally just about to say that it, they are operating from a very life is short perspective. Because again, the, at that point, everyone in Degrassi, like childhoods shattered. Everyone is an adult now at this point, like unwillingly. So I'm sure that they're backtracking on things that didn't matter as much and stop talking to people over things when they were so close to like dying. So yeah. But yeah, so I just, I think I was texting about this. I just think I wasn't a really good person to recap this because I, I was very empathetic to Sean, how Sean was feeling. Mm-hmm. And I would have looked at Emma crazy too. She was, I mean, bitch, you didn't even ask to hug him. He's uncomfortable. Yeah, I know. I felt, and I'm terrible because I was like, I sh- I feel so bad, but I'm like, she is being annoying. And that's not, like, that's not correct maybe but to me I was just like I know it just happened but dang girl you're doing a lot right now like Sean's not in the same space as you and you wouldn't know that because you didn't talk to him right it's just a lot of not understanding that everybody's different but anyway Mm -hmm. Mr. Simpson tells Sean we all need some closure Sean that's what today is all about but Sean is not the only one who doesn't have time for the day of closure 60 minutes of Sobe going blah, blah, blah. It's okay to cry. I love the way Alex just tells Jay that even though he doesn't need to talk, she does. And she just leaves mm. him to go to group. Love an independent queen. They really ruined her character. But anyway. Meanwhile, I, they did I mean, she's for her. I guess, you know what? I guess she started off bad and then, you know, she's up and down. Anyway. She is. <laughs> the reporter that Caitlin threatened to to like punch or whatever is still stalking outside of Degrassi and she tells Sean that she's putting a piece together about him and she shows him the footage and when he sees that his mother gave an interview this ignites a rage within he breaks their equipment storms out and a random assortment of students hops into Jay's car to drive to Wasega Beach like okay Ellie fine Jay cool Emma how bitch how did you get here literally how did she get there Nobody's supposed to be here. Sorry, I sing that song <laughs> all the time. So I do want to clarify that before Sean stormed out of the news crew, Emma shows up to tell Jay that she's looking for Sean. And they have this weird flirty banter where she accuses Jay's music of creating noise pollution. And they're not <laughs> at each other's throat. And, you know, a little bit of foreshadowing. Anyway. Because mm. someone's going to be at Emma's throat. <laughs> Because Emma just happened to be around when Sean smashes a computer screen and hops into Jay's car, Sean turns and around and asks Emma, like, are you coming or not? But why would she be invited? Anyway. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I did mention that I thought it was fascinating that they got from Toronto to Wasega Beach without MapQuest in 2004. <laughs> yeah, who... Like, what did they do? Like, did he just drive straight? You know? Like, how, how did you get there? <laughs> On a whim. That's so funny. All right. So the random crew arrives to Sean's house and Jay jokes about whether or not it is a home or a lunchbox. And I really want to see where Jay lives because I just know that is, like, where do you live, Jason? Where? Right. He be at everybody business at everybody house saying stuff. And he steals candy bars. I just know that you're not living in a mansion stealing candy bars, little boy. Ain't no way. I mean, I know rich people steal, but I don't think that's Jason. So Sean runs up to his house angrily and starts ranting on his mother. And he accuses his mom of giving up on him. And she does not have the time for that shit. Because why does she go back in and close the door in his face? (laughs) I'm not even Um. mad at her. No, it's too much. And he had an audience. That whole, the fact that he had an audience this whole episode really pissed me off. Right. 
So they go to the beach. They bear, they're playing, bearing Emma and Ellie in the sand. And they're having a good time considering everyone's history, really. Like, it's like Emma used to date Sean. She hates him. Um, she's <laughs> always going back and forth with Jay. Um, Ellie is clearly way more liberal than uptight-ass Emma. This mm-hmm. is a very... But they're having a good time in spite of all their differences. And Sean sees a guy who he definitely won ear, Tyler Bishop, and they go to the rental booth, and Jay instantly mocks a man for being deaf. It is just wild how confident he is. He's insane. It's also very foul. It's, I mean, problematic, exactly. We know. But Jay is just like a vile character, and this, the conversation fits. Everything they have come out of this boy's mouth fits. Mm hmm. Tyler jumps over the booth to fight Sean. They're split up by Jay and Ellie. He accuses Sean of sucker punching him and then fleeing town. Everybody's confused because Tyler's story does not match Sean's. Tyler flaunts, taunts Sean to ask if he kills um, if he kills and flees now since Rick <sighs> died. Tyler tells Sean that he can rent the jet ski for free because he wouldn't want to take Sean's lunch money again. Ellie confronts Sean to ask him what all of us were thinking. Sean, the math ain't mathin'. And Sean mm-hmm. accuses Ellie of believing Tyler over him. And she tells him she doesn't know what to believe because he won't talk to her. And Sean confesses. When the gun went off, my hand was covered in warm liquid. I thought I pissed myself, but then I realized that I was drenched in Rick's blood. That is a detail we did not have before. Mm-hmm. Sean hops on a jet ski, speeds off at a dangerous speed, which results in him falling in the water. Tyler then has to save him from drowning, declaring the two even... Meanwhile, Jay, Emma, and Ellie were, like, just sitting there watching Sean laid face down in the water. <laughs> Emma was doing too much. I just, I was like, Emma, this ain't your man. Girl, she was pissing me off. Like, she literally, if I was Ellie, I would have been like, you leave her here Girl. because she's not coming back with us. <laughs> Ellie was way, no, you're not leaving her, her here with my man. Oh, that's true, actually. Ellie was way <laughs> too calm for it all, right? I mean, I actually mm-hmm. love how calm Ellie is. She used to be a wonderful character until they just did what they did to her with Greg. Yeah, no, she's super level-headed for this. I'm sure she can assume that he's grieving and stuff like that, but Emma was just doing too much for someone that used to date him. Like, that wouldn't sit well with me. Right. And it's like, it's not even like on a jealousy tip. It's just, you're doing a lot. Where are your friends, girl? And unfortunately, Emma doesn't have any friends. And maybe Ellie's just really that kind, unlike JT and Danny. Mm. So Sean ends up apologizing to Emma for everything he put her through last year, and she tells him that's ancient history. So I guess he's also even with Emma. I mean, he did save her life, so. Mm. He says they need to stop back at his parents before they return home. Sean is on an apology tour, I guess. I, Sean's parents, accu- did you think this was crazy? Sean's parents accuse him of not calling them. That's like narcissistic <laughs> parent parenting 101 absolutely because how do you sound did you know that i'm the child (laughs) i'm 13 has anyone told you right literally i am a teen that's nuts like dads literally be like the phone works both ways it does but i'm 12 (laughs) and you knew that the phone worked both ways way longer than i did so use it (laughs) like what i don't have a phone sir you're supposed (laughs) to contact me 
they don't even live in the same town or city or whatever it is. Like, that's a wild concept. And Jay doesn't, not Jay, what's the brother's name? Tracker doesn't live there either. So what do you mean? Like, what? Did you even know he was alive before the shooting thing happened? Girl. And, like, we know that they were, like, alcoholics to some mm-hmm. degree or something going on with them. It's just wild to sit here and be like, you didn't call us. Ma'am, you didn't, did you call him? Right. Anyway. I was just really confused about the entire dynamic because by the way they're receiving him, it's as if Sean was a problem child, but then the kid who Sean deafened was apparently Sean's bully. However, we do know that Sean was on probation, so what is the truth? Like, I know that he got in trouble, but we also know that his parents were alcoholics, but apparently someone was bullying him. Like, what is the truth? Who is Sean Cameron? Yeah. They made him complex. Very complex. (laughs) Anyway, his parents say that they sent him to Toronto to keep him out of jail, and they ask Sean why he's returned, and he emotionally tells him that he thinks he's the reason that Rick is dead, and starts crying. They do embrace Sean in a hug while he cries about how Rick died. After weeping, Sean sheepishly returns to the group to tell him he's staying in Wasega Beach. Ellie begs Sean to return to Toronto, but he's like, nah, girl, I'm gone. And I guess that they're not going to be long distance. I guess, you know, 2004, two hours is a long way. Mm-hmm. And I think this is the unofficial end of their relationship. It definitely feels like it. Emma weeps. Emma weirdly stares him down. And Jay <laughs> drives away in his little orange Honda. And the episode ends with a weird still on Sean's crying face. Yeah. I mean, what I got from that is Sean needed to circle back to the root of his trauma to cope with the reality of the shooting. Because if he hasn't processed childhood trauma yet, it's going to take a while for him to process the reality of what happened like last week. Yeah. And then even Emma was like, I get it. Like Emma was saying that Sean had to have this conversation with his parents, which he did because obviously it was long overdue. Um, But again, didn't need an audience to do that. Like, shoot he didn't need you guys to be there to do all that and he also like and then the fact that he left ellie afterwards too is just like y'all didn't need to be there supportive friends yes but y'all should have just let him go very confused also could john not have picked up the phone to call his parents that's true too a lot of questions so many unanswered questions honestly I don't know if I have a moral. Um, I have said a bunch of different times in here. Everybody grieves differently. Mm-hmm. Yep. I got the same thing pretty much. I saw that people grieve and process trauma differently, and it's not always going to look the same for everyone. So even if everyone experienced the same thing, it doesn't look the same. Um, and then to people who are around someone that's grieving, I feel like you need to ask how you can show up for people, uh, but without the expectation that it'll look the way you want it to. So like Ellie could have supported Sean from long distance if she wanted to, but what grieving looked like to him was going back to his childhood and like being with his parents to probably feel like a kid again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Well, I guess RIP to Sean Cameron. He's still alive, but I do believe he's, (laughs) He's out of the show for the rest of the season, right? I feel like he is. I think he comes back like season six or five. Spoiler alert. I'm confused because weren't Sean and Ellie living together though? So is she just going to go back to the house, but she doesn't pay for it because he's the one on student welfare? I believe there is a deleted scene where she's packing up his things Mm. to send it, to mail it to Sean. Why he couldn't drive to pick it up is beyond me. So she's putting his things in boxes to mail it with them. 
and she is with Ashley. I think it's a deleted scene. I'm not positive. Um, And that's kind of all we see. And I want to say she says he stuck her with the rent. Dang. Mm-mm. Yeah. The Grassy Fandom Wiki said this episode marks the end of Ellie and Sean's relationship. Well, that's just unfortunate. Not sticking him, her with the rent. Well, she had a whole house she could have been at in a, the first place. Well, she could have if her mama wasn't an alcoholic. That's true, girl. But she and hasn't got no money might, for no rent. Her mom might still be in rehab. Because I remember her mom was also... So her mom was sending her money for oh. her stay in rehab. That may have also been another deleted scene. I'm not sure. But that's how that was working out. Her mom was basically financing her staying there. Oh. And we see... I think she says this when... Um, they kind of bring that storyline to a close. Like, I don't remember, but yeah. Any other questions, comments about this episode? No, I think that's all I have this week. All right, guys. Next on Degrassi, Craig is a problem. The recording contract he and his band earned last year is going to expire, but downtown Sasquatch is far from finished. He seeks assistance from an unlikely source, which enrages the members and also me. Meanwhile, Paige develops a crush on Matt Oleander, the teaching assistant. Old nasty little hoe. And the nasty hoe I'm referring to is Matt, not Paige. Anyway, that wraps this week's episode of Below the Dot Podcast. If you enjoyed your listen, please tell a friend to tell a friend. To hold you over between episodes, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok under some derivative of the username Below the Dot. Feel free to reach out with any questions, comments, or concerns on either of our social media accounts or email us at whateverittakes385 at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll be back on your platform. Bye.